I'm back. It's Adrian here from Arcade Attack, and another legend is on the show today, Sean Cooper. He is probably best known for his stellar work at Bullfrog. I'm talking about Syndicate, Flood, Magic Carpet, Dungeon Keeper. The list is almost endless. So guys, sit back and enjoy a really interesting interview for a real retro gaming legend. Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. So, welcome back to the Arcade Attack podcast. I've got a great guest on today's show. We've got Sean Cooper, a real bullfrog legend. Uh, you made some of my favourite games growing up, Sean, so thank you for that already. Oh, really? Yeah, 100%. I was a massive, massive bullfrog fan. Um, you know, Syndicate, you know, just... Uh, I'm talking magic carpet as well. You've worked on so many wow. black, you know, so many great games actually. So it's real, it's a real pleasure for me to talk to you today, honestly. Well, it's good to be here. Brilliant. Um, I'd love to start right at the beginning about maybe your earliest and fondest memories of video games growing up. Do you have any particular games? Well, my dad bought me. My dad bought me a um, uh, an Acorn BBC B Micro, and um, I kind of grew up with that. Um, I think I was, it was 1983 or 1984 and I was playing a game called uh, Repton, which was just a sort of a kind of top down side, side on platform game, if you could call it that, where you pushed a rock around a bit like Boulder Dash. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think right from that point, I, w- I wasn't that interested in playing them. I was more interested in writing them. Mm. Um, cause I found myself most of the time, um, you know, doing the type ins from the center of, uh, uh the, the pullouts from the, from the center's Acorn user magazine. And I was slowly sort of building up a, a knowledge of, you know, how to put things together. So I must've been 13, 14. Um, when I started writing games for my mates at school, I used to do them in the holidays and take them in. Oh, great. Um, into the computer room. I think we had 14 computers, so we could sort of load it up and they could sort of test it out and stuff. And I mean, they weren't very good, but, you know, it, it was the start of something. Oh, great stuff. Um, do you remember how you got your first big break in the industry, uh, your, your first proper published title? And do you remember um, the first game you properly got out, you know, produced? Um, yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, it's, some of it's a bit vague. Um, Peter Molyneux came in. I, I, well, I start from the beginning. I was on a YTS. Um, well, what they called a YTS. It was an iTech scheme mm. back in 1987. I was just managed to get on it before my 18th birthday. Um, Peter Molyneux came in and asked for um, you know a, a guy that could work on games. I was I was the the guy picked out of I think 50 were there. Wow. Um, I turned up. It was about, I think, three days later at the front door of Bullfrog, which was in a loft above the hi-fi shop. And I remember ringing the bell, and I couldn't get in, and, and there was all sorts of... I just felt such an idiot, and um, I managed to get in, and then I went upstairs. And the, my first impression of uh, when I got upstairs was uh, everything was in colour. You know, I've been uh, working in this black-and-white BBC micro for so long. It was in color, and it was like you know, sort of two five six color on a Commodore Amiga. I was just mate, you know, I was just like, 
I was just like blown away. So the first game I the first game I the first game Peter sort of chucked at me was something that the the guys had been working on for a while and it hadn't really got anywhere and it was Flood. Mm. Um you know obviously I did a bit on Populous and a bit on other games, you know, as a sort of trainee. Yeah. Testing and programming and drawing some arts and stuff. And then and then Flood was my kind of I would call it Peter gave me my big break and um he allowed me to sort of lead the project, see what I came up with and that's what that's what I kind of produced. I I didn't code everything, but you know, I put the game in it, designed it, did what I wanted to do, and I think I think Peter Molyneux just sort of he just let let it he he just let me have autonomy on it, mm, which was mm. Kind of so trusting because I was only eighteen, nineteen at the time. Um, but he was like that anyway, you know. Give them autonomy and uh, see what comes out. And then I just, you know, um, took it by the horns and you know got on with it and and um, and did it. And I, it's quite interesting because the day that we were finishing it, it was midnight, and my friends had been waiting for me in the car park next door to go to Cornwall for a week's holiday. Mm. And they arrived at about seven and it was midnight. And I said, I said, I've had enough now I'm going. (laughs) So I I just walked out and, um, Peter and Glenn and Kevin and, um, I think it was just them three, really. They sort of, they finished up the the rest of the bugs because there were mostly bugs in the, uh, IO systems, you know, the the disk drive and stuff. So yeah, that was good. It was, it, it was a lovely time. I mean, Flood, it doesn't seem to get as much recognition now as like sort of more known Bullfrog titles, but it was quite an innovative t- platform, wasn't it? It had quite an interesting few uh, dynamics of the game. Are you, quite, are you quite proud of it looking back? It's not my proudest moment, but it's certainly my, it's my first moment, right? You know, it's mm. my first mo- moment of making something commercial that was big, big enough to make some sales for the company I felt like I earned my place. Mm. I felt like I could actually do this now. Um, you know, and these guys were, you know, Kevin, Peter and Glenn, they were all coders. They were all just dumping information inside my head, you know, of how to do stuff. And, yeah. it, you know, it was, it was just, it was just an amazing time. But I think, you know, looking back at flood, it's not, I mean, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't a great game. Yes. There was some innovation in it, but that's what we try to do. I mean, we're still doing it today. We're just trying to innovate, you know, and mm. make and make some, you know, make games that are that have a unique twist to them. Uh, good philosophy, definitely. Mm. I've, I've got to ask, actually. There's, is it true that Flood was originally supposed to have like four players in the game? That's at one point. Or was that who, who told you that? I, I read it online. I'm not sure if that's true or not. No, it's not true. <laughs> complete it's, rubbish. Well, I think it's complete rubbish. I mean, it's. I mean, we can live with the lie, couldn't we? And we could sort of make something up around it, but I, it certainly wasn't. I mean, I was a massively inexperienced programmer right in my first game, so um, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, I wouldn't have had the skill to do that, and I, I don't think Peter snuck anything in the back door or anything. I don't think there was anything. Maybe the next game, you know, mm. all the rest of the games were had multiplayer in it, but not. Not flood, yeah. No, fair enough. Um, you mentioned earlier, um, Sean, that you did do a bit of work on Populous. Uh, what was that exact role on that game? And um, that, I mean, that game was huge, wasn't it? <laughs> did you? Huge. It's massive, yeah. wasn't it? Well, how, how much work do you put into Populous then? I didn't really put much in it. I mean, they were sort of halfway through it when I joined, mm. 
um, we did the, me and Glenn did the uh, data disc for um, over a week. Peter had gone on holiday. Yeah. And he's, and Glenn, I remember Glenn saying to me, if you want to keep your job, we need, you need to do some work. So oh, really? It was, bit, it was a bit before pop, uh, a bit before flood. He said, well, you know, we better do something. So we, so I drew the, um, the computer, the computer world mm. uh, with the, with the micros and, uh, and the sort of computer sort of landscape. Um, so that's, that was pretty much it on that. I didn't do any programming. I did a lot of testing, a lot of playing, which I loved playing. Mm. It was amazing. You know, going from black and white games to color and then being sat, oh, sit down in this, sit down here, Sean, and play this game. <laughs> All right. You know, it was just uh, schoolboy's dream, you know, it's just amazing. It, it really stood out. I have to say the graphics, the look and look and feel of the game, it almost was one of its kind, I think. Is it fair to say it really put Bullfrog on the map after Populous? Oh, it certainly put Bullfrog on the map, and it certainly, it certainly shook up the old God game, mm. um, you know, the sort of the God game genre. Um, I think it, I mean, I mean, you could call it the, the first one. I mean, yeah. there, are, there are kind of others, but I think this really kind of said, you know, you can modify landscape, you could sort of, you, you, you know, you could, watch autonomy on the map so it was more simulation based it was just amazing uh, i mean it was an amazing i mean me and peter and glenn and and all the others played it to death absolutely yeah. to death which is i think the most fundamental key element in making games is is that if you enjoy playing it and you play it to death it's going to be bloody good you know yeah oh, i can't deny that at all i completely agree um I'd love to, now to move to Syndicate, if you don't mind. We've actually recorded a tribute podcast on that game. We are huge fans of Arcade Attack. Uh, I've got no idea how many hours I've put into it, but it is often regarded as one of the best Amiga games ever made. Um, I'd love to know, were you there from the beginning of Syndicate, how it first came about? Uh, how was the game sort of originally sort of fought up? Yeah, so, so we, um, I think I, I'd come off Flood, so I'd finished Flood, and Peter said to me, "What do you want to do next?" And I want to do. I want to do a killing game. Ooh. I want to, you know, I want to kill things in games. So we all went down the pub as you do, and we had some food, and we had loads of pints. And I think, I think the it was a really good joint decision on what we were going to do. We were going to do a kind of strategy based um, cyberpunk game, and I, that was the broad terms. Mm. Um, so. Peter said, you're going to do it, Sean. I said, great. Love it. Love it. Um, so off we went back to the office. And over the next probably eight months to a year, we sort of explored ideas. Um, well, especially control methods. That's that's what we were trying to mm. that's what we were trying to get to. And it started off on the Amiga um, playing around with, um, you know, moving a move in these. It used to be called Blue and Orange Blake. Right. Syndicate, syndicate. So we're moving these blue and orange blokes around because the artist had drawn this blue and orange bloke. So I thought we'd call it that. So we're moving those around. There was eight of them at the time, um, just on a flat, just on a flat isometric plane, mm. and just seeing how they how they responded to being clicked on, moved, and stuff. And then we slowly narrowed it down. We put in multiplayer. That that, mm. that, that was certainly the next thing, um, which was a sort of file system really kind of funny file system network system where the where you would write a file and then the other machine would pick that up and it ran so fast it was amazing and um we ended up killing each other with with uh with a simple gun 
and it was the first time I went. I don't. I don't know what. Why? Why do bullets take so long to travel in games? You know, when you fire a bullet, it sort of travels across the screen. Yeah. I wanted to hit it instantly. I want to pull the trigger, and he's dead. <laughs> like real life. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was the first. That was the first sort of time that I went. No, this gun, when you fire it, is going to kill that guy. Instead of it traveling across the screen, it's just going to kill him or damage him instantly. So we need a line. We need some sort of way of portraying that kind of smoke, you know, the direction of the, the shot. Mm. So we got into we got into that quite, um, got into the multiplayer. Everyone was having fun. People were queuing up to have a, you know, sort of have a go because it was only, I think it was only four maybe an eight player but i think it was four to start with because it was a filing system model and um <clears throat> and slowly we sort of we kind of you know expanded the weapons yeah. and then we started thinking well what else can we you know what else could we achieve here you know what what's the what's the um what's the uniqueness what you know can we so they became cyborgs quite quite quickly after that they were just blue and orange blokes before and then we said no they are cyborgs they're sort of modif- they're kind of barnic men in a way, yeah, <laughs> um, chipped up. You know, they've got computer systems that that um, that kind of enhance them. You can pump different drugs into them, make make them respond in different ways. You can make them yeah. see further, etc. So, and then and then and then we and then we moved to PC. You know, I learned the two eight six, did it on that, and then we moved to three eight six because the because the technology was growing very quickly, and I think. Peter and the others didn't see that. I don't think they saw it, saw it coming so quickly because the 286 came out and then the 386 came out. And it's released first on the 386 and then we did a direct port back to the Amiga. But I think best played on the PC, really. Um, yeah, I've, I used to play on the Amiga, but I've heard, actually, that yeah, the PC version's the best version. You, you, you it was high res. It was high yeah. resolution. And, and you've got this really set, this good sense of really crisp graphics. Um. Yeah, so I think that was quite an innovation at the time. the the high res The high res graphics was certainly were mm. six forty by four hundred and four eighty, and um, yeah, yeah, great. So I love to know. You said Cyberpunk earlier. What were the main influences on the game? Was there any films? And I've got a question here from another <coughs> one of our Arcade Attack members, Rob. He wants to ask if you're a William Gibson fan of or any of that sort of came into the game. No, not really. I mean, I wasn't. I mean, just I mean, remember, I was quite. Again, mm. young. I wasn't really following much. I was, you, you know, quite sort of s- simple in media. Um, but the other guys were, you know, like Paul, the artist and stuff. He, I remember Blade Runner being mentioned many mm. times, and I didn't even know what they were talking about. You know, um, so I think that part of it, the sort of the the art style, definitely came from Paul and his team from an art from an art perspective. Mm. I wasn't so much interested in that. I was more interested in the sort of the weaponry and mm. the. And the simulation side of you know people people looking at it and going that guy's going to work I think I'll follow him and then shoot him as he gets home you know that's <laughs> was that you know it was the it was the baby in a pra- mother with baby in a pran syndrome when the Terminator walks out and starts killing everyone yeah we were sort of going for that kind of that kind of feel that you could do that if you wanted to or you could just get on with your mission and get on with it. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, uh, was there any of was there any sort of gameplay mechanics or things discussed that never actually got into the final version of the game? Can you remember? There was the Gauss gun. The Gauss ah. gun turned into a rocket launcher, and it was meant to de-chip things. 
and meant to be sort of like this kind of really um, high tech kind of weapon. Yeah, like a sort of you know electro- a sort of electronic weapon. And um, I think we, I think we just I think we just ran out of time. I think I just I'd booked in the um, the QA for EA, and I said, no, nah, no, nah, it's going to be a rocket launcher. That's it, and that was fun. <laughs> I think I think I'd like to have spent a bit more time on the on the sort of air support side, you know. So like the airstrikes, you know, yeah. more more in that line and laser cannons and stuff that that were sort of, you know, more sort. Of, you save them up and uh, then you could just eliminate people with a click of a button without actually doing anything. So <laughs> I'd like to have, I'd like to have got to that point. Oh, great stuff! That's great. Well, that's really interesting. Definitely. Um, Syndicate Wars came out a few years later, and there was—I think there's been a few other sequels over the last few years. But I personally think the first original Syndicate uh, was was the best. The others were good, but they never seemed to capture the magic. Why? Why do you think you know people struggle with the Syndicate brand? And would you ever be tempted to work on a brand new game in the series, Sean? Well, I think I would. I mean, I mean, definitely. I think, I think it isn't it. Isn't it with all games the sequel is, you know, not not as it's not as i think with games when it innovates it excites and it's not the same as movies you can you can you can innovate in a smaller way like toy story to toy story 2 it's already got the characters yeah. but then they just they just add a couple more characters i think with games generally for me for sequels is that the first one's always the most exciting and i don't think it's necessarily syndicate as a uh, you know as a game that struggles to have a sequel um although although you could say that you know like things like the matrix mm-hmm. uh, i'm drawing comparisons to, to movies here you know is that it's consistently directed by the same you know the, the same filmmakers go from the first to the second to the third whereas there was a whole new team that went on to onto syndicate wars and i guess that's one of the biggest things that i regret is is that not going you know sequels are important you know and we did america we did um american revolt for yep. syndicate, which was an add-on disc and then syndicate wars we just i just handed it off really um to mike disquette and he went away and and produced his kind of vision mm. of what he thought syndicate was and there was no kind of consultation of you know what we were trying to do in the first one. Can we can we bring some more of that into the in, in, in into the second one and, and build on it? And I think it was just naivety. We were all, all really really young mm. and kind of not trained in the in this in this art of making games and or making a product. Right? Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, it's a product. So I think. So I think the same with Magic Carpet, the same with uh, the loads of ge- I could list loads of games other people's that sequels just don't hit the button. Mm. And it's probably because the person that made the original moves away or the team that made it, they move on to something more that they think is more exciting. Mm. And and we moved on to Mag- you know I moved on to Magic Carpet after that. Yeah, yeah. Understood. Um I I like to talk about Magic Carpet now if that's all right. It's um yeah. I think it was one of the first games I got when I got a PC. It was probably my first proper going 3D, a proper 3D environment. I mean, I thought it was amazing. It blew my mind, actually. How how was it for you working on that sort of new technology? The, the 3D was coming in thick and fast. It must have been pretty exciting to work on, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, I mean, Glenn, who wrote the engine for Populous, wrote the engine for Powermonger, um, advised 
solely on the syndicate engine although i although i wrote it i wish he had wrote written it but it really wasn't his bag 3d was his bag mm. and i think he had he had already sort of developed this kind of rolling landscape and this magic carpet sort of floating on it so you could fly around and and not do very much and i think it was les that sort of he walked in les edgar who's um peter molyneux's partner from in in, in bullfrog mm. Um, he walked in and goes, are we going to get this game done or what? <laughs> and I just stuck my hand up and went, oh, I'll do it. And, yeah. uh, and that was that. Me and Glenn sort of, Glenn handed off his code. I threw half of it away and kept the engine side because the engine thing was, the engine and the 3D graphics were the, were the thing that was the most amazing thing. Mm. Um, and we bought the whole of the system of Syndicate on top of, uh, on top of the Magic Carpet stuff. Um, the sorry the the three D engine because so, we were just use written a system right that could run all these you know these these things that we used to call them and um, um, yeah and then we t- and just really just took it from there and I think we still didn't make it really three D it was two D with height mm. so although the graphics were three D it was we were still treating it as a singular plane with a with a height of the character on it. So if something was going up in the air, it just had a height. It didn't necessarily have a 3D coordinate. Yeah. And that wasn't until much later actually that I started getting into 3D 3D space. Are you are you really proud of Magic Carpet? Because for me personally, it blew my mind. Uh, it really stood out from the crowd. Do you, do you think it is one of your proudest moments in gaming, making Magic Carpet? I think Syndicate was my. I think mm. Syndicate was in some ways. Um, I think Magic Carpet. Yes, yes, it was a, another defining moment. Mm. Um, but it was very quick. You know, it was like four and a half months, five months. Oh, really? From when I picked it up to um, to put it in the shops, and well, we'd sort of learned how to sort of make games a bit, you know, and communicate and get our designs down. And I was already re- working with some really good designers and stuff. Um, and some really good coders. I knew them really well, so we could move pretty fast. Whereas Syndicate took like three to two and a half years to make. Yeah. Um, just because we were feeling around for an idea, whereas we had an idea. It was a guy on a magic carpet. And it was just adding the game to it, really. Sort of, you know, what does this guy on a magic carpet do? And, yeah, you know, he can build, he can, he can, you know, destroy things, he can change the landscape. It's so, a very clever game. Is it? I think it is. And actually, I wanted to ask you, because I, I, I found this online again. It might not be true, but apparently at the time of the re- release, some video game magazines wrongly labeled the game more as an FPS, where really I think it's more of a strategy game. It's got, it has got shooting elements. But why, why do you – do you remember that, Sean? Is that a fair thing yeah, to say? It's, well, it's a bit, it was a bit like Doom in some ways, wasn't it, mm. that, that it, was, it was kind of flat and, um, you know, and, and you were shooting and – and you were killing and and stuff and i think that i think it was if you imagine all these publishers and 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 the journalists and they and they've got this kind of really bizarre kind of weird title Mm -hmm. where you can modify you can build you can attack how do you really put it in a genre (laughs) when you when there's nothing else to sort of help it move into that space yeah. So I think they probably just sort of struggle to go which one is it because it yeah. crosses a few of them, and we and we typically did that with, you know, quite a few things that we did. 
Yeah, I think that that's a uh, well, I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing he sort of mixes genres together personally. Um, I'd like again another game I put a lot of no. time into. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good thing. Another game I put a lot of time into is yeah. High Octane. Um, yeah. I, again, I got I got it. I think with my computer, uh, it's bundled in, and actually I loved it. <laughs> it. It reminded me a little bit like Wipeout, but I didn't think I played Wipeout at the time. But I've it's, again, these are all rumors. So I'd love to know Sean for certain. Is it true that this game was almost made in your sort of spare time, and it was never supposed to be? No. Is no. that a load of rubbish? <laughs> it's a load of rubbish. Yeah, yeah, have you heard that room before? I have. Yeah, yeah. it's not true. It's um, um, well, uh, well. Should we just? Uh, we, do you want to go through that high octane now? Then, should yeah, we, should we just talk about it quickly. Is that right? So yeah. So what happened was, I think EA because we were with the we were just about to join EA or EA had just bought us. Mm. They had a game slipping out of that drive window, the the quarter, and. Um, the the CEO of EA said to us, can you fill this gap? And of course, we didn't have any games in production. We'd just done Magic Carpet. Um, I think Magic Carpet came out in May, and they were asking for a game to come out, I think, in the in in the next sort of three months or four months or something. I can't remember. What year was it released? Do you know? Was it 1995? Yeah, I think it was definitely mid nineties. That's when I definitely right, played it. Yeah, mid nineties. So, I I remember sat around a table and I said, "Well, I could do a driving game. We could use the magic carpet engine, and we could we could write a, a driving game within eight weeks." Um, you know, just really standing up and going for it. And sure enough, we did it in six and a half weeks, and it was in the shops in eight weeks from conception. Um, simply because we, again, we go back to that point, we knew what we were doing. We had the syndicate system on top of the magic carpet system. Yeah. Now we'd brought it into um, this slightly modified engine. So we didn't really change the code base from magic carpet. We just adapted it. Mm. Um, and we took a lot of shortcuts to get to the, to the mm. result. Um, which I think's fine saying now, you know, all like things like the, all the cars, the six cars were all the same size, height, mass, you name it. And I remember all the articles in the magazines, the bike always wins. It doesn't, <laughs> it's all the same because we didn't have the time. We had a six and a half week window to book it into QA to make mm. sure that we could hit the shops in eight weeks. So that was the. I think that's the short story of High Octane, and it was amazing to make. Yeah, just the most amazing time. The whole company worked on this title. Well, it seemed like that. At least fifty percent of them, and everyone just muscled together and argued. And you know, when we're changing the stats for the cars, we're not doing it. We don't have time. You know, people (laughs) crying. The game can't go out like this. You know, Peter's saying this is an eighty percent game. No, just ship it. Just get really? it out. We need to. We need to fill this window. We need to look like we're amazing, and we did. Yeah, I, it's. A, I like the game. I, I know it doesn't get. Too I much love attention. the game. Multiplayer yeah. is amazing. It is just. It, you know, it's, the viewpoint is it, mm. a bit short, but we had we had multiplayer game every single day, every mm. single hour. Just played, 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 played. We loved it. So we just knew. People are going to love this because we yeah. love. It. Oh, good on you! I love that. I love that's a great little story. I love hearing about that. Actually, um, oh, cool. 
Dungeon Keeper, uh, man, again, it's like a list of my favourite games. I'm not even joking. It's uh, I don't know how many hours I put into this, but what was your role on this game and how exciting was it to work in like a proper strategy? You know, it's a bit different to the other games, I assume. And how did this come about? Well, so, so I'd just done, um, I would just finished um, High Octane and then we weren't really doing very much. I think the company had just been sold and, and we were just, I was just milling around really um, because, because I could and, you know, Everyone like Peter and Les allowed that, you know, to sort of just explore different things. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really doing very much. And Peter said, Oh, I've, you know, done, he's got this idea for Dungeon Keeper. So we had a chat about it. And I started building this sort of isometric kind of um, view of, you know, you know, tunneling and stuff. And then within, I'd say within a couple of months, Glenn had come up with some crazy idea of adapting the high octane engine mm. to go into the dungeon keeper engine. And Peter decided that this was going to be the greatest. I think he said to me, this is going to be the greatest moment of bullfrog. I think I need to handle this. And so he did. And, um, it kind of, I guess it pissed me off at the time, but, um, but I could see that he, he just had this really great idea for, for what that mm. game should be, and you know, just just this is just the way it is. I'd love to have done it, but I didn't. So, so you you started working on it. Is that you say you played around with the early? Yeah, aspects. I played around with a very early idea of yeah. sort of tunneling, and but you know, it was all it was Peter's idea, you know, and yeah, it, and I think I think he just needed to sort of it was his last game with Bullfrog, wasn't it? And I think yeah. he needed to sort of prove that you know, or even though he's sold the company. And made loads of money he can still write games and he did that and he did it brilliantly it was a brilliant game you're you're a fan personally i take it then yeah he, yeah well, I'm a, well i think i think i'm a fan of all the bullfrog games mm. i don't think i don't think there's one in its midst that i can go do you know i don't like that yeah um, I, none of them I, I don't think that any of them go below that that line so they're all they're all they're all fond memories of you know eight years of of working well what was it eight years yeah r- roughly eight years of the best time of my life writing games with people that I that I I love and never forget you know yeah I love that um really quickly did you ever have a go at the Dungeon Keeper mobile game or it did get a bit of flack actually I have to say have you ever given it a you're go talking about the, you're talking about the EA, the EA, the EA one that had yeah. all- the, the sort of like uh it was like farmville dungeon it was. keeper wasn't yeah, it? it was yeah it was sort of buy buy the buy more energy or whatever it was yeah i didn't really look at it because i think everyone was just you know up in arms about it that yeah. i just thought well there's no point there's no point really looking at it um i wasn't that interested anymore in those sort of games anyway i was moving to mobile and um yeah. you know moving away from moving away from the bullfrog stuff and um i think i did look at it actually because i remember doing something and and i was i moved on to flash games and so uh. you know, kind of kind of just had a different outlook on games you know I, I will ask you in a minute if you don't mind sean why, why you left bullfrog but just before we finish with bullfrog um why why do you think the company was so successful because you're right like you said earlier every title they released almost seemed 
above everyone else, original, highly ambitious. I mean, that's an unbelievable track record. What, what do you reckon was the magic ingredients? I think the people, it was just the people. Um, you know, you take Peter, brilliant, um, brilliant sort of mind when it comes to the way he talks about games. He talks about them as if he's talking to a consumer. Mm. He doesn't talk about it as if he's talking to a developer. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of what, that's kind of what you need to do. You need to sort of think of the game yeah. as if someone is touching it, not as if you're going to make it. So you don't, you don't talk about, oh, I've got this really good idea. What we could do is we could write all this code and da, 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 da. No, you talk about it in a sort of, in a kind of high level. You, you talk about it in a very stretched kind of way. Yeah. I think Peter was pretty, pretty special with that. And I know some people say, oh, he, hyped up a lot and bullshitted a lot about what 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 was in the game all he was trying to do was stretch the idea of of the idea that that he had yeah i think i think if you if you look at the the first five people in bullfrog i think that's what that's what really made it early on yeah um is their energy uh their belief that they could do something different and then every single person that came on was a clone or a clone with a lot of other magical properties mm. um, to add into that existing bunch of people. So, you know, I worked with some incredibly amazing guys mm. in their in their early twenties. Um, a, a ton of them, right? And and every single day was a joy to go into the office. Imagine yeah. having a job where oh, I can't wait for Monday. To want to get back with everyone, you know, because they've gone <laughs> away for the weekend, and I'd be the only guy sat in the office over the weekend because that's that, that that was my whole life was just making writing and yeah and, and you know playing playing games especially you know multiplayer games and stuff with my mates that used to come into the office. So I had a great time, a great time. It was a great time. Uh, Sean, brilliant. Um, I, I know you're a really busy man. I've got about three or four really short questions. Yeah, let's so do, let's, let's just go for it. Is that all right, man? Um. Yeah. I'd love to again a slightly again. This is I don't want to you know bring up any bad feelings, but what was the mood like when Electronic Arts did take over Bullfrog and and eventually the company was closed down? I take it you weren't there when it eventually closed down. I mean, what what sort what was the feeling in the office back then? I just I just it just went quiet. You know the it's like the it, it's like the energy was removed from it, although it wasn't. It just went quiet. There was a, there was this sort of there was this sort of buzz. There was a buzz before, and then the buzz. Well, for me, you know, so it's through my eyes and through what I heard, and and f- through my brain, you know, that the when it when they bought it, it just went quiet, and the buzz yeah. the buzz stopped, and I didn't I didn't feel that I would I could I didn't feel like I could p- progress. Mm. So I think EA just sort of left it alone, and I, and I think it must be really tough that. Les and Peter all of a sudden had lots of lots of money yeah. and to continue striving forward is incredibly difficult at that point because you've got the money the monetary bit of striving trying to get somewhere has just been taken away because mm. you've got it so what else is there to strive for and of course, Peter was still striving to make games, but I imagine there would be some sort of confusion at this point. Is it we didn't have to write these games for money? We just yeah. write these games because 
because they're games, you know, and and I think that's where that's where you get the best games out is when people are working just for the game. They're not working for the you know, for the for the monetary reward. It's more for the to build the game, but all that there's always in the background this money bit. Yeah. Um, you know, so because Peter's gone on to do some great things afterwards, mm. even though he's got some money, so <laughs> he's so he's got to be pretty good, right? You know, he's got to be an amazing guy to keep just keeps going. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I guess that kind of links to my next question: is why did you end up leaving Bullfrog, and uh, where did your career take you? You said mobile games, uh, Sean. Do you mind elaborating a bit more? Yeah, well, so so I left in I left in I had, I had a little break in '96. Mid, mid midway through 96 so ea bought in 95 and then 96 and a half it must have been june i went to virgin interact do you know what i wanted to do i wanted to see what else was out there mm. i didn't believe ea could show me that other that other side i don't know why i didn't think that but maybe they weren't presenting it yeah this guy i met at a show he said why don't you just come and work for us you can see you can see the other side of the industry and i went to work for virgin interactive in in london it was near um High Street, Kensington, and I thought, oh, that would might be a crazy time. We'd go and live in London and go and have a mad time. Mm. And and I just thought, my God, when I got there, they had nothing. They they didn't have that. It wasn't the same. It wasn't mm. the same buzz as the old Bullfrog. And they didn't have any code. There was no libraries. There was there was just nothing. It was just it was just this these guys making some generic some generic uh, adventure game, which was a bit like Alone in the Dark with a little with fancier graphics and i just thought oh my god this is terrible let's do this let's let's do let's shake this up a bit oh really and i spent a year doing that and i didn't really didn't get anywhere um and i just thought well you know it takes teams to make games mm. so i went back to bullfrog and they took me back and and i know that it, it, it was under ea now ea had merged studios with bullfrog so you had the ea uk studio and the mm. bullfrog studio and I went back there and did Dungeon Keeper Two. Wow! And I done, and I met an amazing guy who I'm working with today called Colin Robinson. And um, oh, I'm not working with him. He's just invested in the in in the things that we're doing. Mm. And um, you know, and it started things like that. It was a much more professional. It's exactly what I want. It's exactly what I needed. I just needed this much more professional outlook on how to build games scheduled you know you've got production staff you've got uh the the development staff um keeping it separate you know so design goes through production through to the through to the team and that's exactly what i needed i need i needed that whole kind of to grow my career so i was 26 um just about to turn 27 got back to got back to bullfrog what was left of it and we did done to give it to it and that was again a fab time i learned so much i grew so much and i think i grew probably more during that product than i than i've ever done because i didn't program i just designed yeah i was the i was the sort of creative director of it um and i think that's that's all i wanted to do you know was just just create not necessarily have to get hands on with it mm. But I've gone back to it now. You know, now I'm back to coding because because I I realised that that wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. Um. So I so now I'm back to coding again. 
Brilliant. What's, what's the company you, you, you're working on now, if you don't mind me asking? What sort of games are you doing? Well, we haven't really sort of announced it yet. So, um, but but the, we are revisiting what would Populous be today if we were to create it today? Ah. That's, that's kind of the concept of, or, or it's more, uh, well, I'd name it more because it's not Populous. It's more, if we were to take some of the games we did in the late 80s, and the 90s and and if we created them today what would they be today so i've pulled back glenn who worked on all the all the um uh, games that i've worked on through my career worked on all the 3d stuff and the engines and stuff um we've got colin robinson who worked um on dungeon keeper 2 with me and did the harry potter series for ea yep and we sort of joined forces to 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 go along that mantra to sort of not to recreate the 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 good old days because <laughs> there's been a lot of them yeah to 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 create a new set of good old days you know in our in our later years and so far it's it's going uh it's so so far it's standing <laughs> standing the test of uh <laughs> the fun the fun is there good and fun's high so i'm I, I'm encouraged that we can sort of move forward. Well, I spoke recently to your ex-colleague Mark Webley, and he's had massive success with Two Point Studios. I'm sure you're aware, aren't you, Sean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. hope you know. I I'd love to hear more about your. Maybe we could do a follow-up podcast. We can learn more we about. We should. Yeah, when you when you're ready to release details, I'd be more than happy to talk to you again. Yeah, it won't be it won't be long now. I think January, February. I think we're going to be in a in a poised position to go. This is what we're doing. Mm. Well, let's. We're definitely catching up again then. Right, two two really quick questions. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're so busy. Yes. Um, did you ever start work on a game that never got released? And if so, which game do you most regret not seeing released? Does that make sense? Oh, um, I think there's a couple of them, but they never really they never really got into being a game. So they were just conceptual. Um, I, I think I've pretty much made everything I've everything I've wanted mm. to make. And then the ones that I haven't made, I've sold in some other way, like sold the tech or, um, you know, or done something else with, because that's, that's what they were sort of, cause I was focused probably cause I was focused more on one thing uh, than the other, you know, the tech over the, yeah. uh, the uh, you know, over the design. Oh, fair enough. That's, that's like, I spoke to a lot of people. That's quite unusual in a way. Most people have at least one or two, but that's, it just shows you the quality you're working, obviously. The, well, I think we try and release everything, even if it's, you know, you just try and pick up the score a little bit, even if it's 70, 80% review scores, mm. you know, it's, it's better to, in some ways it's better to sort of just, we'll just get it out, you know, and see what people think of it. If they love it, then, um, then we'll do a, then we'll do a follow up. you know? So but, I've, I have been yeah. lucky. I've been so lucky because it's the people around you. You know, the team, the, the, the teams that we build, it's about them. You know, mm. if you want to get something done from start to finish, you just need to build a good team, you know, and, and, and get it done. Cause I think the reason why lots of games get canned these days is because they take too long. You know, they yeah. just they go on and on and on and on instead of no, right. There's neither team that just gets on with it. Yeah. No, deliver. I think high octane is a good example of that, isn't it? It, just, it sounds like all, all guns blazing. Well, I think, I think yep. from, the, from Magic Carpet onwards, I, I, don't think, I don't think I've really sort of 
gone off that kind of mantra of mm. you you create a you create a schedule you stick to it you you know and if you have to cut stuff you cut stuff yeah you can always release it in a sequel and i think it's a good it's a good way to work you can't just keep drifting through time mm. and then release it when it's ready it needs to be let's let's aim at something let's work freaking hard and let's take the let's take the bounty from from the end product love that um right final question sean bit of a Go crazy on, one keep going on yeah <laughs> if you could share a few drinks of any video game character who would you choose and why thank god that's a tough question we've i've asked it so many times the uh, the most common answer though. oh thank you <laughs> the most common answer is lara croft i'll tell you that for free <laughs> most people have said lara no, yeah. what i mean i was thinking of a, a, a male character for some reason i think because i I'd, I'd want to be a hero yeah. In some ways, um, there's no one. No, there's no one to mind. Um, there's no one I'd rather I want to be other than myself. Yeah. Um, but I would certainly like to, if I was to be anywhere in a sort of safe environment, a bit like uh, um, Live Die Repeat. You know, I'd like to be in Battlefield, the original Battlefield game. Yes, yeah, classic. And yeah. and if I could die and then come back again, that'd be just awesome. <laughs> in, real, in real life uh, get in that tank you know drive it down the thing get blown up and then get respawned i think i think i think that'd just be amazing so no oh, characters you but you know no, that's good disappointing no that's a great answer oh sean it's been a real pleasure i i've really enjoyed talking to you today it's been a real pleasure honestly so thank you so much for your time no problem thanks for listening to today's podcast we really hope you enjoyed it if you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow 82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.